I'm Poppy Garraway, one of the content strategists at Elsevier. Today, I'm joined by Chris Carter and Joy Notter, the editors of COVID-19, a critical care textbook. First of all, could you tell me a bit about your background and current role? Okay, so my name's uh, Chris Carter and I'm a senior lecturer at Birmingham City University, but I'm also um, a critical care nurse, and so sort of do a bit of a dual role in both clinical practice and in education. Okay, and my name's Joy Notter and I'm Professor of Community Healthcare at Birmingham City University, and I've been working in capacity building in nursing in the developing world for something like 15, 20 years. And that's how we ended up partnered together. Wow. And what motivated you to write this book on the care of patients with COVID-19? Well, so it's just to join myself. We've had a partnership project running in Zambia for a number of years now. And just prior to the pandemic, um, we were actually working out in Zambia on one of our capacity projects um, to enhance the, the delivery education for critical care nurses and trauma and emergency nurses. And when we went back to the UK, COVID really started to take hold. And so as a critical care nurse, I was went back to the NHS and was released from my university role. I'm a matron for a London intensive care unit. And my first sort of work stream that I was looking at was really around um, how we support staff that were redeployed to critical care. And back in sort of March, April time uh, in 2020, everything was new. There was so, it was such a far moving situation and it was really challenging trying to sort of provide support for staff in critical care but also help support staff that were being moved from other areas and other clinical settings into critical care and certainly I sort of saw there was a bit of an opportunity at that point um, that there was sort of a need for something longer term and that would be in the form of maybe like a critical care textbook articles because actually COVID was not going to go away overnight and we were going to have lots of staff redeployed in critical care as qualified nurses, as student nurses qualified, more coming to the system, there would be need to be orientation programmes and that was sort of my initial thought and then I had the opportunity to talk to Joy about this and sort of say what do you think and then we sort of came up with the idea of maybe we could move forward and maybe consider doing a textbook. And that's really sort of how the discussion starts with Elsevier. Thank you for can just add to that. We were very aware that you need something to back up the spoken word or what people are doing. We needed something that people could just pick up and hold in their hands. We weren't aiming to write the most academic theoretically based text. We were aimed to write a textbook that is academic, but is something you can hold and use and look up if you wanted something because of the challenges that were facing everybody as they tried to work with the COVID patients and in intensive care and high dependency. Who is this book aimed at? And do you need to be an experienced ICU nurse to pick up a copy? I think when we wrote the book and started to sort of put the content together, it's sort of aimed at both both groups really, because you've got the group of nurses that in the redeployed pool that may have never done critical care nursing before 
or may have done critical care in the past and moved on to different roles. And so it was about making sure that they had something that they could refer to to provide some more knowledge that they could go back, or like Joyce says, something they can hold in their back in their hand and refer to. But then also it's aimed at experienced critical nurses who are want more information, who want to look up things who you know who may be recently starting their career in critical care and want some more knowledge and certainly throughout the book there's different levels within it because we talk about the care of a critical care patient but we also talk about the deteriorating patient on ward and we've also got a chapter on leadership as well in there so it's sort of aimed at different levels but the idea is to provide an understanding of how critical care is provided and some of the top tips and, you know, the things that we've learned from sort of the evolving pandemic. I think we were very aware that some of the people redeployed were quite frightened about going into what was for them, although they're nurses, a very new setting with a very different set of patients and the fear of, of getting it wrong. I think that was the comment that was being made. I don't want to get it wrong. And so we wanted something that would let them work there and something they could have for themselves to say yeah that's fine I can do that I can follow that and when we put the, the book together one of the things we really were keen to do was for us to use nurses that are actually in practice at the bedside so most of the chapters have been co-authored with nurses from the NHS or from international from our international partners that have been involved in the pandemic at the bedside so it's we've tried to sort of make sure that it's a practical focused book aimed at practitioners working in a, in a critical care setting but likewise it's it's got many levels to it that will hopefully be a benefit to readers well it's an excellent resource and um you know tw- well 20 months into the pandemic covid is definitely not going away so i'm sure it's going to be very useful you both have been working in Zambia. Can you tell me a little bit more about the work that you do there and what the situation is like there as compared to the UK? So our project in Zambia started in 2015 and we initially started um, capacity building critical care nurse education in practice. Um, and over the years, we have reviewed and revised and validated a new critical care course. We've supported the um, move from to graduate specialist practice in critical care nursing. And we've also started to sort of scale up the faculty in order to help support the delivery of the programmes. And so it's been a busy few years in, within the project. You know, when I started here, there was one nurse tutor and one college of nursing critical care. And as we sit today, I have three colleges of nurses with around 11 nurse tutors delivering the programme. So it's been a big sort of investment. So when COVID happened, in a way, you know, critical care has come to the forefront of the pandemic and sort of the need for these services. So in a way, our project was primarily positioned because we've been working on critical care for a number of years here and helped sort of raise the profile, increase the numbers and help establish sort of the education practice element here. So in a way, our project had to change because of COVID, but actually we were we were almost really part of the game because we'd already started and invested and helped support the specialist practice element to it. 
So for us, our progress changed due to COVID, but we were really on the right tracks from the start. So we've supported projects out here during COVID, which has included activities such as a blended learning project and for uh, nurses, not just in critical care, but for a range of clinical settings, so student nurses, those on the general wards. And we've got a project at the moment where we are capacity building emergency and trauma nursing. Again, it's linked to COVID-19, um, but we are sk- helping to scale up and review and enhance the education delivery of this product, as well as supporting uh, rural workshop activities. A big element of our project in Zambia has been around capacity building. And so it's been work, it's been very much working in partnership with our strategic partners at the Ministry of Health and some regulators, the unions, as well as education providers and nurses on the front line. And it's all been very much a collaborative approach and really working in partnership. I'm sure, you know, Joy will talk a little bit more about the part of the project. But, you know, some of the things that we've learned that we've been able to take back to the UK in around things such as reverse innovation, which is where we learn things working in a very different environment and really how we can take those back to the UK. I certainly, when I was matron, certainly saw, you know, things that were on a parallel to what I've seen here, you know, having to work with minimum resources, the constraints, you know, having to, you know, reduce the nurse to patient ratios that we traditionally saw in critical care due to the increased numbers of patients that we saw. And so I certainly feel things like my leadership, decision-making, resilience, certainly I've learned things here that I was able to take back to the UK. And I'm sure there will be other nurses that have supported this project that will have been able to sort of maybe have similar experiences back in the UK as well. Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair summary, actually. And I think what I would just want to add is, is Chris has stressed the point, ours is a partnership with all our stakeholders. So for us, the essential thing is you can't take something from the West and just hand it into another country or from a high income country. So all the time, ours is about sustainability working with them to develop what fits for Zambia. And we felt it was important that we maintained our contact with them. So we've continued to go throughout the pandemic. We've made no attempt to say we're going to do this from the UK with virtual contact. It would not have worked as well. We needed to see the differences of what was happening and find ways to say, well, as Chris said, there's reverse innovation, but also what can we suggest that would work here that wouldn't drain resources inappropriately? And I think to do that from a distance is difficult. I also think there were competence issues that you can only do when you're there, when you're working with them. And it's a lovely compliment because they've described us as their all-weather friends because we've been there throughout. And In fact, Chris has spent more time in Zambia than in England this year and I'm going back out to join him very shortly because the commitment is on both sides. Just as much as we go, they give the commitment to find the time, despite whatever's going on, to work with us and to work around any constraints that have arisen as a result of COVID. That's a lovely phrase, an all-weather friend. <laughs> what do you think have been the key lessons for healthcare services and how should we be prepared for future outbreaks of COVID-19 or indeed future pandemics caused by other illnesses? 
I mean, I think if we look to history, you know, when we look at outbreaks, pandemics, I mean, the story of outbreaks and pandemics is the story of inequalities. And I think often some of the most vulnerable within our society are often those that are affected the most. So I think, you know, one of the big lessons is around sort of, you know, the impact that it has on certain aspects of the community and also the, the, the country as a whole. Yes, I think that there are, with a public health hat on as well, there are a lot of lessons to learn. I think there was sheer disbelief initially that it would it go the, the route that it did and, and cause the problems it did. And this disease in particular has led to us rapidly having to change treatment for all patients in intensive care and HDU. And I think that's something that people have found hard to do. If you totally change a procedure for something like this, then if you're not careful, nurses that you haven't taught will revert back to other practice because they're more comfortable with it. And so a lot of the lessons for this is continuity, support, and ongoing work with people, and then recording what you've had to change, and then looking for the system that worked and the systems that didn't, and trying to put in a system in the future where contacts can be quicker to get information out. In Zambia, they got very good theoretical public health information. It was very well distributed at the beginning, but as time went on, what they wanted was physical presence with them, hence our rural workshops to go out and work with them, and to try and say, well, in your setting, what would you need to think about for the future? And that's what we're going to be doing for the rest of the project. Thank you so much to Chris and Joy. If you are enjoying this podcast and would like to hear more, please do go ahead and subscribe. Thank you and goodbye.